0: You know, you, you don't remember the games so much. Now mm-hmm. You know, the odd one, like Seattle it's such a huge right. game. You remember that. But you don't remember the game. You remember the guys, the locker room, banter. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like it in the world. Yeah. You cannot replace that. Because, you know, professional athletes live for the moment. Because mm-hmm. you can't worry about next week. I mean, you know.
1: Right. You, you just can't. You into. just
0: got to knuckle down oh. and keep at it. So, That's what I remember, and the road trips. From the studios of Kink Radio, it's the Portland 50, a podcast series about the people who dreamt, built, and championed the innovation, growth, and uniqueness of Portland.
1: The Portland 50 series is brought to you by Jaguar Land Rover Portland, one company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950. I'm your host, Peggy Lapointe. Today I talk with Willie Anderson. Willie is a former professional footballer who joined the Portland Timbers in 1975 in their inaugural season with the North American Soccer League. The Timbers went on to the championship game that year, and Willie stayed with the team until 1982. It was that first year that the Timbers were a franchise that Portland became known as Soccer City, USA.
0: You know, when I was at Duke High School, I'll never forget, we had a teacher who sat us all down and said, hey, what would you like to be when you leave school? And, you know, go, go around the classroom, and I said, I want to be a football player, soccer player. And he looked at me and said, forget that, you'll <laughs> never make it. I went, okay, <laughs> you know, and it was like, all right. So I never thought I was good enough to be one. Yeah. And then I was playing for my state team and got scouted. Mm-hmm. And within three days, I'd signed for Manchester United at 15. And wow. Within two weeks, I'd left home and moved to Manchester, which was only 35 miles away from Liverpool.
1: Is that kind of a dream of kids, uh, you know, particularly boys at that time, that they would become professional footballers?
0: Oh, yeah, I th- I think all over the world, yeah. you know, it's like, or, you, you know, your son's playing played baseball forever, you know. I think if you're good at it, you start to think, hmm. But, you know, everybody, I watched TV. I went to support Liverpool when I was a kid, and, you know, you look at them and the gods, and, you know, I collected autographs like everybody else. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, but, you know, I never thought I, everybody, all my mates were good at it. We all played, you know. I was in England back then and working class in England. We didn't have a lot of money, so, you know, we could play soccer anywhere and it was free. So, yeah, miss I think it's the dream of most young athletes, I think so. girls as well, you know. I, mean, I think over here, the difference over in America to England was, you know, a lot of the kids look at getting a college scholarship. Right we didn't have anything like that at home. It was either school, the pros. Right. There was no in between, you know, where you could go. So, yeah, it's the greatest job in the world. So, I, I, you know, I can understand that. Yeah. And I just got so lucky. And I, you know, I got to Man United, which was like going to the the Yankees or right. the Forty ers or you know somebody like that. It was just crazy. Yeah, crazy.
1: And you ended up, I mean, you, you were, they called it an apprentice, right, for about four years?
0: Yeah, you know, it's for uh, when you sign up, you, you can sign different kinds of schoolboy forms, and I had no idea what I was talking about. And the two scouts come to my door one day in a car, and there was never a car in my street. Mm. I mean, oh, my God. And these guys got out with ties on and blazers, and we're going what the hell <laughs> you know and it was two Man United scouts and they came in and said we want to sign you and I was with my mum we want to sign you for Man United And it was like huh? wow wow and they couldn't do anything because my dad wasn't home so they left and come back two hours later when my dad was there and I just said to them because I thought I'll never make it as a player I want an apprenticeship but I meant an apprentice toolmaker an apprentice bricklayer <laughs> And they went, yeah, yeah, yeah. We want you to be an apprentice. I went great, so we signed. And I'll never forget it. They gave my dad a wide envelope full of money. I never saw it. <laughs> I'm thinking, what's going on here, you know? I, and uh, I went and signed apprentice professional forms, which means you were a, you know, a player there, but you also in the afternoons cleaned the locker rooms, cleaned the boots, cleaned the stadium. And you had, you had to work at it, but it was just a way of, you know, keeping you involved. But, you know, you practiced every day, but mm-hmm. you did the, all the grinding, grungy stuff after. Right. Which was great. Yeah. But I had no there. idea there was an apprenticeship available. I just asked. And it was like, okay. And I was <laughs> so green. I mean, it just worked out for me. I'll never forget, when I signed, I ran down the street. Me and my mates used to meet in this hut and I ran to all my mates are sitting there, and I said, hey, guess what? And they all went, what? I said, I've just signed for Man United. <laughs> they went, so? <laughs> <laughs> Liar. Uh, I went, honest? That oh, was crazy. That
1: must have been heady times.
0: Oh, it was, you know. I mean, I could have gone to Liverpool, right. which was at home, as one of my picks. and But I wanted to leave home. You know, my dad was really strict, and I thought, you know, And even when I was 50 and I thought, you know, I'll get out of here and it'll be better for me. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, I went, what they did there in those days, they put you in with a family. They called it, put you in digs. Mm. And the family looked after you, you know, and the team would pay the family to look after you. And they'd feed you, clean your clothes, all that. And uh, and I got paid, you know, I got a pay pack every Friday, which was like, oh, my God. For a teenager. It was crazy, crazy life.
1: So you went from uh, Manchester United to Aston Villa, uh, Cardiff City. And then 1975, uh, you went on loan to the Portland Timbers. And you uh, have an interesting story about how that came about.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm an original.
1: Yeah, yeah, the original team. One of the original team members, which 17th, is great. 17th member signed.
0: Yeah. And the last one I get there. Yeah my team still playing over there but yeah I was uh it was sheer chance sheer luck. you know everybody talks about being in the right place at the right time I mean this changed my whole life I just went to see a pal of mine Brian Godfrey who was a player he was playing for a team there Cardiff and I went to watch him play and then we had a drink after the game and he just popped out and said hey guess what I'm doing this summer and I went yeah what's that He said, I'm gonna play in America and I went, wow, because then everybody wanted to play in America. You know, it was just a holiday right. vacation. You'd go out for four months. An adventure. An adventure, yeah. yeah. They, everything was paid for, cars, apartments. And I said, wow. I said, how'd you do that? And he said, well, Vic Crow mm-hmm. is their new coach. And me and Brian had played for Vic Crow at the villa, at Aston Villa. So I just said to me, tell Vic I'd be interested. Two days mm-hmm. later, Vic Crow called me up. Is what I've got going on. Would you like to be part of it? I said, God, yeah. Never <laughs> talked money enough. So I just said, yeah, great. And then he got hold of my club and worked out a deal. And I went out on loan for four months well, 10 weeks really in 75. Mm-hmm. First year the Timbers ever had a team and the ignor- ignorable season. And we just kicked butt all year. We just had a hell of a year. Crowds were amazing. And when I got here, you know, I traveled a lot. Mm-hmm. And it was like, wow, this place is great. I just loved it. I loved the lifestyle, the people. And I loved Oregon. I mean, what yeah. a great state. And Portland then was, it's still a big town now, but it was a little town. Mm-hmm. There. And I just said, I could live here. And then when I went, I had to go back. I uh, never stopped thinking about it. Yeah. Um, but the seeds were planted. Yeah, oh, Yeah, it was like. Hey, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'm going back. Yeah. I hook or crook. It worked out, you know.
1: And you ended up coming back a year later. But let's talk about that inaugural season. Okay. Because it was a uh, very successful season for the Portland Timbers. Western Division champs. Yes. And then you're playing, the team is playing Seattle Sounders, tied one and one. Goes to sudden death. Tell me what happens next.
0: Well, you know, it was... First of all, it was like we beat—I forget—we beat St. Louis. Mm-hmm. No, that was after. That was after. They were the first game in the playoffs. We got them at home because we won the division, and there was thirty-two thousand people jammed into. It. Then it was Civic Stadium. It was just a circus. Yeah. It was absolutely amazing. Vic Crow was really smart. I think the day before the game, we were practicing on the field at the stadium, and Vic said, "Come on, we're going to run around the stadium." Like, what the hell, you know <laughs> what the hell we want to do that for? We ran out and the crowd was like five deep all the way around the stadium waiting wow. for tickets. Wow. And we ran right around the stadium past them, clapping them. Yeah, it was one of the best things I've ever did. and it was like, oh whoa. Electric. Electric. yeah. And then we played Seattle and were tied. They went one and look, we equalized overtime. We got a corner. Gets knocked out of Jimmy Kelly, who we all thought was going to cross it. You know, Jimmy was a great cross ball. Instead, he just knocked it to me. And it was a great ball, and I just ran onto it, and I just crossed it. And there was Tony Betts, mm-hmm. six yards out, well, edited in. Yeah. It was sudden death then. We won, you know, went in, we win it, and the field was just. In and t- Yeah, I saw the video. With just the just crowd, shout. it was like, God. Oh. And I don't remember anything after that. I bet you don't. You no, know, it was like, wow. And then, you know, we, we beat St. Louis in the next game, and then we got to the final. But Seattle was something you'll never, ever forget because it was right. the first time. At home. At home. 32,000 yeah. jammed in there. and Just the atmosphere was eagle-electric.
1: Now, being as it was the inaugural season, yes, Starting into the finals, that can account for some of the crowd of thirty-two thousand, but the team was really involved in the community, and so the um, the crowds kept getting bigger, and there was more and more excitement as the season went on. You guys were, you know, doing a lot of different things.
0: Well, you know, part of the deal was that we go out and do a ton of community work. Mm-hmm. Once you signed up. And, you know, you signed up for that as well. But, you know, think about it. We only worked in the morning, till 10 till noon. Right. So we all had afternoons to do nothing. And, you know, they sent us everywhere. You know, high schools, events, everywhere. But, you know, we got to meet the people. Yeah. And we got to meet, you know, the kids. And I I thought the beauty of it was, is once the kid had met you, they were kind of tied to you. They had, so they share. wanted to come and watch you play. It was yeah. work so simple, but you know we were everywhere. Yeah. Everybody, you know, you got eighteen guys out there doing stuff all week, yeah. meeting people. You I mean we got there and there was only like three cars to share. In the end, I ended up with three of my own. You know, <laughs> fans would go, <laughs> they'd always invite you over for dinner. What do you need? Well, I'm, you know, car'd be nice. Joking, and he went, <laughs> okay, you can take that one. Jeez. It was amazing. Peter With who was huge for us, Peter was from Liverpool, just like me, and Peter didn't like to spend money. Yeah. He was at somebody's house every night, or getting taken out to dinner. Uh, he always- was amazing. Yeah, the people were just, because you know what I think it was, you know, the Blazers were really big then. Yeah. Or they still are. But these big, tall guys that you couldn't get out. You know, they weren't accessible. Mm-hmm. We were all these little English guys in shorts, you know, saying hi to everybody. Right. And we were so easy to get to meet, and we'd go out and do everything, and, you know, it was just fun and games to us.
1: Well, and, and especially because it's this first season, and you don't yeah. know how long it's going to be. No. How long it's going to last. No. So you just have fun with it. And well, it
0: was, you know, because part of it, we were all on loan. Right. Which meant, you know, I still had a team back home to go to. So, mm-hmm. you know, I could have come to Portland and just sat on the beach. Right. We all could have. But, you know, Vic Crow was really smart. He got some really good characters in amongst the team. He got some young guys, some older guys. And we just put it together. But, you know, it was still a holiday.
1: Those relationships and friendships that you built You still keep in touch with some of these folks?
0: Yeah, there's about 10 of us from the Timbers. There's uh, about six of us from the inaugural team that live in Portland still. Wow. And, uh, in fact, Chris Dangerfield, he's the voice for the radio for San Jose Earthquakes. Mm -hmm. He lives in San Jose. So he's coming in to do the San Jose game in June, and he's going to bring his wife and we all get together at Roger Golden Day's apartment on the river, beautiful place, and there's like seven of us who get together with our wives and everything, we just have dinner and yap, you know, and remember when. Nice. But it's great, and yeah. the guy, you know, we're all older, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's just a fun time, and it's like, it's like you've never left them, you know, and ne- only see Chris maybe once a year of that, yeah. and it's like, you know, you get talking it's like they'd never left so yeah it's fun I think there's like 12 old timbers from the NASL still in Mm -hmm. town
1: right because that's when it was the uh, North American Soccer League now it's MLS you're listening to Kink's Portland 50 series I'll continue my conversation with Willie Anderson in a moment but I wanted to thank our sponsor the Portland 50 series is presented by Jaguar Land Rover Portland one company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950. Now back to my conversation with Willie Anderson. Willie is a former professional footballer who joined the Portland Timbers in 1975 in their inaugural season with the North American Soccer League. The Timbers went on to the championship game that year and Willie stayed with the team until 1982. It was that first year that the Timbers were a franchise that Portland became known as Soccer City, USA. So after that inaugural season, you went back to England, and you were there for a season.
0: Yeah, you know, I went back, and I because we made it to the final, I got back late. There was a few on our team. My team, Cardiff City, was not happy, because I missed two weeks of their season, Mm -hmm. and they were bent out of shape and you know they calling up you know to Vic Crow and me hey get your thing back here you need you to play and i said hey we're in the final you know way i'm leaving this team you know right. we've had a tough year you know so the next year you know timbers wanted me to come back and my team went no, you're not going back there no way you know slapped my hand and so i was really disappointed in that but then the timbers called me which they shouldn't have done. The coach then and called me up and said, hey, we'd look, we're going to come in and get you, put a bid in for you. Are you still interested in coming back? I said, please, God, get the bid <laughs> in. I'm ready. So they come in and bought my contract out and nice. paid a little bit of money for me. And then in 77, I came out on a three-year contract mm-hmm. and never left.
1: Yeah, and you ended up playing until...
0: 82. Yeah, I played yeah. till I was 36, I think. Yeah. Which was a long time. for. I was going to say, is that yeah. long for a soccer player? Yeah, you know, you get to, say, 32, and then it's like Your you're just living on borrowed time. <laughs> and, you know, I got to 36, which well, I got lucky. I never had really bad injuries, you know. Yeah. I used to have bad hamstrings, but, you know, you could get over them in a month. I didn't have breaks or mm-hmm. tendon trouble, anything like that. So, yeah, I mean, I played till 82 and, you know, I would have played forever if I could, but, you know, <laughs> I was still thinking, you know, you fi- figure it out in practice when you're getting beyond where yeah. you need to be, because you're just a little, doing things in practice that just don't work, and, you, you know, you never want to believe it, but deep down you're thinking, uh-uh, Not I'm though. slowing down, and my game is all speed, yeah. pace. So I lost a bit of that, and then my game, you know, went down with it. So I was about ready to retire. Mm-hmm. I mean, mentally, the last three years I was with the team. I did director of community relations with the idea of when I stopped playing, I'd move into the office. Okay. So, you know, I was smart about that. But, you know, the team folded, and that's when I retired. Right. So almost went out the a, Almost window. a forced retirement. <laughs> yeah. Something had to give. <laughs> Yeah, that's something I can say too. I help fold the yeah. timber. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't want to put that out
1: there. No. Some of your favorite memories from the team and from playing or not playing.
0: The guys.
1: Yeah, the friendship. You
0: know, you you don't remember the games so much. No, mm. you know the odd one like Seattle was such a huge right. game. You remember that. But you don't remember the game. You remember the guys, the locker room, banter. Mm -hmm. There's nothing like it in the world. You cannot replace that. Because, you know, professional athletes live for the moment. Mm -hmm. Because you can't worry about next week. I mean, you know.
1: Right. You just can't. You just
0: got to knuckle down and keep at it. So that's what I remember. And the road trips. Yeah. Because, you know, we're all, think about it, we're all in our 20s. Flying all over the <laughs> America, staying like in Miami on the mm-hmm. beach, poolside after practice, <laughs> drinking at night. I mean, we had the funnest times you can imagine. I mean, 18 guys on the road, right. all crazy, wild and no wacky. <laughs> That's what you remember, and you miss that because, you know, I've never found that. Yeah, the the camaraderie of that because you're all in it together. You're a team, you know. You always have cliques. It's like you'll have three or four mates on the team, really tight mates, but you'll be friends with everybody. You're pretty and cohesive. some you'll like, and some you
1: won't. Pretty cohesive team.
0: Yeah, you gotta be. Yeah. You know, it's uh, that's why we did so well in '75. Yeah. We're really tight, and when you struggle, you're not tight. You know, right. the little flicks the bitching and the moaning about each other, and yeah. I'm not playing, and all that crap, you know, so, yeah, it, it's the greatest gig in the world.
1: Now you are, you can give me that look, <laughs> now you're still involved in soccer, I mean, you're doing some, uh, I know when they had the 40th anniversary, you were interviewing a lot of your former teammates, <laughs> and reflecting on that, the present day Timbers, and um, your coaching, girls soccer
0: yeah riverdale high school
1: yeah uh and you've got a website i was looking at willie 12.com where you you have commentary on there you're talking about not just what's going on here but what's going on in england so you
0: yeah you know uh toes in it yeah you know i i work part time in the a bit well when i stopped playing i got into the radio business I heard that. <laughs> you know just <laughs> had a, somebody said you should try it you like it okay and I loved it and got in the sales end of it. And uh, I'm still doing that. I work part-time for this little classical station. Oh, I won't mention it. You can end, mention that. Which is all classical yeah. Portland. 89.9 FM. There you go. The only game in town if you like classical music. So I do that part-time yeah. in sales. And uh, I coach high school Riverdale girls, Yeah. And which I love. Girls are great. And uh, I also do work for KPTV right. for the pre-games on the Timbers. Mm-hmm. For every game the KPT is contracted to do, I we do the live pre-game for that yeah. half an hour before.
1: So do you go to a lot of Timbers games now?
0: You know, not a lot. I watch them all on TV, you yeah. know, because i I got to know what I'm talking about when right. i up there. So, I you know, I, I find it better if I'm just sitting on my own and I can take notes and... Mm-hmm. But I love going to Timbers. You know, I love going for the event. Yeah. You know, because, like, going to a soccer game for me is like you going to work. You know, it's like <laughs> I see it totally different than everybody else, which yeah. is a shame.
1: Yeah, you can't enjoy it for the no, match. You, you know, or you're analyzing, analyzing everything. Analyzing yeah. it, which
0: is a, such a shame. But, you know, d- just listening to the crowd and being part of that, especially here at, at the Providence Park. It's great. Yes. It's great. So I enjoy that part of it. So, yeah, I like to stay involved. Yeah. You know, coaching, uh, I've been doing Riverdale, I think, five years. You know, and I may go back this year, I don't know yet. And uh, life's great for me. You know, I've finally got to a stage in my life where I'm doing everything I want to do at my pace. Yeah. My radio station's great. You know, it's a non profit, and they allow me to kind of do it on my terms and my pace as long as. You know, I don't cost them any money, and I bring them in money, which I'm completely okay with. And the coaching I did, because I love the kids. Yeah. You know, and with high school, you don't have to deal with parents so much. Right. You know, I used to coach academy, mm-hmm. and the parents, you know, they ruin it for everybody. I, uh, everybody. as a
1: parent of a of kids who play baseball, yeah. I can definitely see that. My husband coaches my younger son's yeah. baseball team, so yeah, it's. It's hard. Oh, dealing with the kids is is great for yeah. the most part. Yeah, but dealing with the parents can be challenging.
0: You, well, it can, you know. And it's funny for me, you know, because I always have a team, you know, a parent meeting before the season and lay out the ground rules. I will don't want them to email me. Don't want them to call me. If you've got anything to say, come up and see me and talk to me about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've found that not many parents will do that. Oh. You know, they'll email you or call you, and you know, but I don't want anything to do. I always have a great team manager. But, you know, I look at the parents I have problems with or I've had problems with, that. Are, you know, are really hard to like. And you look at their kids, and usually the kids are just like them. You know, if you've got a kid on your team that's... Pain in the neck, and you know, you're trying to like him but it's getting hard. Mm-hmm. You look at the parents and go, ha, ha. <laughs> I can understand. And the kids that are great have the greatest parents, yeah. so it definitely trickles down. Yeah, but did,
1: did your kids play? You've got three kids, did any of them?
0: Yeah, uh, well, you know, I had uh, one son. He's 32 now, and uh, he was a great soccer player because he was really quick like I was. Yeah. And I'm thinking, yeah, great. You know, and I coached him. Yeah. And then he came up to me every year and said, Dad, I want to play football, American football.
1: Right.
0: No, you can't do that. No. And then after two years, I went, all right, you can try it. And he was in the Lake Oswego district, and they had a great youth program. So he Played his first game. I'll never forget it. And he went there, and he never touched the ball. And I'm thinking, yay, yeah, <laughs> he'll hate it. And he come out and said, I had to go, loved it, Dad. Loved it. I went, oh, no. <laughs> so the next game, they put him in a running back. Oh, yeah. And he was really quick. Yeah. And all he did was give him the ball.
1: You just run through the line.
0: Yeah, six touchdowns first time. He hit it. All over. <laughs> all over. But you know he was great at it. Yeah. God bless him. And he, you know, I always say he gave me the best Friday nights I've ever had oh, in my whole life. That's Going good. to watch him play at high school. You know, I never understood why football at high school was so big till I went to watch him. Yeah. And it was just best thing I ever watched and just watching him play cuz he was really really good. Yeah. And he played for Lagos Wego and in senior year they made it all the way to the final. He got beat in the final, and then he got picked for the MVP game, and he got the MVP for that. Oh, nice. But, you know, the great thing, I mean, that was great. But, you know, he had, he did an acceptance speech for winning the MVP right after the game in the middle of the field, and he was brilliant. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, where did that come from? <laughs> you know, <laughs> who's is that? Is that my kid? But, yeah, uh, I had another son who wasn't into sports, and my daughter – she played soccer, I coached her for a while. And yeah. I got to a point point. thought, you know, you need somebody else. <laughs> and I need to be able to watch it.
1: Right.
0: Because when you're a it's coach, hard. you know, when you're coaching your kids, you miss everything because you got to, you know, you got to coach the whole team. You can't so I give it. it up and just become a parent. And the first year that was really hard for me. Mm-hmm. Cause I to, you should be, <laughs> you know, you should Don't be doing be one this. Why is the coach doing that? <laughs> And then I really learned to relax and just watch it yeah. because I'm firmly convinced, and this is my opinion, that when you're a parent, you go and watch your kid play. Yeah. You don't really care too much about the team as long as my kid's out there playing and getting playing time because I don't care how great the team are. If your kid's sitting on the bench... It's You're not a happy parent.
1: No, I've been you know? both ways, and it's yeah, hard. It is. Y- it hurt. It hurts.
0: It does. It hurts your heart to yeah. see them. Well, sitting. you feel for the kid. Yeah. And you, you know, you, you go to watch them. Yeah. I mean, I, imagine driving all the way to Eugene, and your kid sits on the bench and never gets off.
1: Yep, been there.
0: And you've got to be like, hey, after the game, how <laughs> you know, <I> was that? <laughs>
1: yeah, it's hard. It it, is. That's the hard part as a parent. Yeah. To watch that. Yeah. I have to say, because you mentioned that you um, worked in radio, and we worked together for two
0: years, three years. Felt like 20. It really did, <laughs> in the best way possible.
1: And this is a side of you. I always knew you were this soccer guy, but I never knew you uh, were on the inaugural team for the Timbers, so it has been fun looking through your archives and <laughs> seeing the videos of that goal and the Sounders game
0: uh-huh.
1: and and seeing that excitement, so... Thank you very much for coming into the studio today.
0: No, you know, uh, when I'm doing my TV, pre-games with KPTV, the uh, guy always introduces Willie Anderson, timber legend. <laughs> and I it always makes me smile and laugh, you know. And I was thinking about it the other day and thinking, you know, I'm really proud of that, Yeah. you know. I'm really proud of where the timbers are and how, we, you know, we help get it where it is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, being part of that and being a timber legend, I mean... That to me, is huge, know you know, the more I thought about it, where I used to just hey, what's a legend? Right. You gotta be kidding me, but yeah, it's uh, I love that.
1: It's a sense of pride, it is. Sense of pride. Well, I'll have to watch you now on KPTV before the home games, and yeah, and I get dressed it. up for that. I noticed that. <laughs> not that you're not dressed up today, no, okay, you're not. <laughs> Thanks,
0: Willie. Don't look at the photograph. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you for joining me for my conversation with Willie Anderson. If you've missed any of the previous podcasts, you can find them at our website at kink.fm. Be sure to like and subscribe to the Portland 50 podcast wherever you're listening. The Portland 50 is a podcast series celebrating Kink's 50th anniversary. And it's about the people who dreamt, built, and championed the innovation, growth, and uniqueness of Portland. The series is presented by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands, Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950.